Welcome to Improper Mimi. This is your host, Mimi Jax. I'm excited to talk to you all today about things that help to empower women in all aspects of our life, whether it's at home, at work, or play. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. Well, good afternoon from Brooklyn. Hello, ladies. <laughs> just hanging out with some of my girls, just chit-chatting, and uh, let's introduce ourselves. Who you are, what you do, why you love me. <laughs> okay. That's an easy one. You're paying us to say we love you. Okay. Right, right. Wait, who's going to start? Hi, my name is Shirley Boubert Rumble. I am the CEO of Source. And I've known Mimi uh, since undergrad. And so a uh, dear friend of mine. And uh, we share a lot of history uh, together. And now we're sharing thoughts. Um, and I'm happy to de- delve a little deeper as we proceed in the discussion. Great. My name is Keishol Galdez, owner of Gourmet Diva Personal Chef Services here in New York. And also an owner of a supper club called Supper and Sip. Let's see. How long I've known this improper Mimi? Mm. <laughs> Once you say over 10 years, it definitely started um, as a friendship over softball where we met in Boston. We were both, um, well, I was a former techie and kind of Nesby, I'll say, brought us together. Mm. And now we're here to talk about in our, in our adulthood. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we've grown up. We've yeah. grown up. Really grown. And experienced some things. Yeah, so, yes. really grown. Yeah. Exactly. From motherhood, I mean, from college. College, motherhood, balancing. You know, working in you know. America, starting your own business. Oh, yeah. Just life, dating, you know, society, sports, you know, everything. Yeah. Yep. You got it. Hair (laughs) and everything else in between. (laughs) I've known you from dreadlocks, rocking a little pink, you know, a little little closer to purple now. I actually kind of into that, you know, I started with like a nice maroon, and then from maroon, that's always kind of you know, We noticed the gradual, <laughs> gradual progression. Yeah. <laughs> do you think this is kind of your way of saying, hello world, I am here, through your hair? Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think when I moved from Boston to New York, I, it just really opened up a whole new world. You know, I'm loving Brooklyn. You know, I'm exploring the city and exploring myself, learning myself. You know, mm-hmm. I was laid off while I was here, you know, so then I had six months of like severance, AKA mind life searching, mm-hmm. you know, time. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody doesn't get that, you know, time where you have just to yourself, not to feel the pressures and stress of everything. I mean, of course, it was a pressure. I'm going to have to get a job again. But, yeah, but, but to know, have that padding, no rush, yes. You know? immediate. And when you're yeah. working from the time you graduate, you know, all the way up to the rest of your life, you don't have a lot of time. You get to just sit and think, yeah. what do I want to do with my life? Mm-hmm. So a bitty, long question to just talking about my hair. But yeah, I think being in New York, working in the industry that I'm in and like technology and then and and being with these companies that are all very hospitable and they're very progressive, then I felt like, yeah, I could be progressive with my hair too. And I know we were talking earlier, like, you're like, mm, yeah, that's not something that you guys think that you could do or, you know, like personally do, like, and, and why not? Like your job, why, why, you don't feel you could 
wrap his purple hairstyle at work. <laughs> well, I will say I went from perming my hair to going natural because I came mm-hmm. to a point where like, you know what, this perm crap doesn't work for my hair. Mm-hmm. And started braiding and I started locking my hair. Um, now I just don't give a damn somewhat about my hair. <laughs> Brady, do what you want to do, but but a lot of some you have to be really conscious about sometimes what your hair says to people. I think we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. We have to sometimes assimilate or just kind of not be too loud. Like just even our presence is ready enough. Now you're adding on elements of color of hair, or mm-hmm. my hair can be straight one day with weave, and it could you know be a kinky afro the next. Would you do that? I feel like I'm self-conscious. I wouldn't do that. Do I'd, I'd be like. Would you go back and forth between hairstyles? You know, like... It's just not me. I know a lot of people who do, and I, yeah. they love it, but they do get that, um, those comments from coworkers. Like, yeah. oh. Like, okay. uh, <laughs> there's always this thing of, I think of the mystery of a black woman's yeah. hair. Yeah. Oh, it, it, wait, were you blonde two days ago? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm very free with it, but when I look at my daughter, I'm like, ooh, honey, you have to do something with, with your, your hair. hair. <laughs> There's a bias there. Right, yeah. right, like you get used to me looking like this. Yeah, and exactly. then I'll switch I would it. Ease into something else. Right. And then when that's done, I'm going to go back or ease into something else. Like, I don't mm-hmm. go. Like, right. the same with right. yourself. Right. That's, 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 yes. It's helpful to the people around you. Yeah, you know, try to not confuse them so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not and then you show you you play with color. I play with color. I I I, I just you know you know beauty is an eye of the beholder, mm-hmm. and uh, we all have a image of beauty within our eyes that even for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just um, have a particular style that in my eye I feel very comfortable with, mm-hmm. and I feel enhances my beauty. Might be not to somebody external outside, but for me yeah. it does. Yeah. You know, so I keep my hair. I keep it. You know, either uh, flat ironed with my kind of, it's a European style, I'd say. You know, <laughs> you can, it is straight. It's a straight look. It's a straight yeah. style. So I like it, though. It's not because it's European. I just like the way it looks. Mm-hmm. And that's how I wear it. Then I have my other style, which is natural. Mm-hmm. If I don't feel like flat ironing, I just let my hair turn into a natural, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of fade kind of look. With my mm-hmm. my nice tips little. being what they are, and that's it. I don't really deviate. I don't come outside that. It's either flat iron, straight, or natural. Yeah. Um, I don't wear wigs. I don't wear weaves. I don't wear braids. That's you know. Yeah. That's just. Guess the personal personal. personal it's a personal choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just, so I guess folks wouldn't be too confused. Right. That's her natural look today. Yeah. She doesn't matter. You know, there's her European look. <laughs> <laughs> do you find that you switch it up uh, for like uh, business reasons, or is it just how you feel? Like if you have like an important meeting, you go for the Euro look, or do you? Does that drive any of that at all? Or? I actually, you know, it's in my view, mm-hmm. I like the straight look better mm-hmm. in my eye. Yeah. That's just my eye. Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily because it's European. It's just mm-hmm. because I like the straight look. I just think it enhances. It's softer. It's mm-hmm. got a softer look. I have, I have, you know how Oprah said, I got good here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one of the things I know is I got good here. It's yeah. strong and it, and it kind of works really well. And so I like the beauty of that. Yeah. And I like to play with that. 
where the natural style is kind of very dense. So I can't really have fun with it <laughs> as much. The natural is great, but what I mean is that it's not as flexible for me. It doesn't move. It's just, it's just there. So, it, you know, if when I'm in that mood where I just don't feel like kind of, I just want to go clean. I don't want to have any maintenance. That's what I wear my hair. And it doesn't matter whether it's a meeting or not. It's just yeah, mostly it's my mood that kind of, like, yeah. but if I want to go, like I'm hanging out with my girls, I'm going with my my straight look <laughs> you know you know and it's just oh, kind of like that mood kind of thing yeah. you know, for me that's I what it's freeing to go natural and it was at a point is more acceptable mm-hmm. you know it's not like a second like oh man you know that whole wash and go look yes yeah. I for me it's like being simplistic and just kind of like a Steve Jobs attitude like mm-hmm. this is my uniform this is my hairstyle I'm out I'm doing what I have to do but mm-hmm. um, I would not thought I would go natural it was like what my hair is Started putting my hair up when, when I was eight. Oh yeah. You know, so going through college, like you, that's what you do. You straighten your hair with a hop comb, get your ear burned. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We're talking about you know presence in corporate America. What do people in corporate America look like? You got your suit and tie on or whatever, your hair mm-hmm. straight, and yeah. you, know, you go out and do what you have to do. But now, like, yeah, I can go into work with a you know little afro. I can go with a curly, you know, thing. I can dye my hair. I think yeah. it's definitely yeah. more yeah. freeing, not getting free. a, a retaliation, mm-hmm. you know, back from like not getting hired for a certain job or being passed over for. But you still have to be cognizant that people you are appealing to mm-hmm. may be of a certain different mindset, and they might not yeah. find your hair expression accepting or welcoming or to their brand liking so sometimes you feel like you do have to you have to know what game you're playing you gotta know yeah. game you're playing. Yeah. and you know you you, you kind of know your audience kind of mm-hmm. feel your audience my my thought i've always been natural mm-hmm. when i was younger as well mm-hmm. so natural has always been a way for me because it felt comfortable i actually feel like weave is like an animal sitting on the top of my head mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't it's so unnatural. It's too heavy. It's so unnatural. It's itchy. It's like it's like it's like a leech is like I'm taking over my scalp. It's the worst feeling in the world. So I don't like it. Yeah. In addition to my own views on the weave itself is not a problem. Braids itself is something that I think from our Afrocentric braids I take out of the equation. I'm really speaking about weave. I have a problem with weave in a sense because I feel as though the sheer volume of weave in our community mm. is a direct reflect of our skewed perception of beauty. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think we, you know, going back to, yeah, I wear my hair straight and I think you know, thinking of that, you at least know, it's your own hair. This is your own. <laughs> well, it's my own hair. It's my own at hair. At least it's your own hair. It's your own hair, and this, yeah. and we play with our our own hair. I, I'm kind of like the pro. Wear what God gave you, mm-hmm. and be happy with it. Learn how to have fun with it, dude, because it's yours. And learn how to find beauty in your own hair that God gave you. What not not to say you can't, you know, flirt around with weave and other styles, but yeah. I think what happens in our community is a lot of women actually cannot be seen without a weave. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's where see, we have a problem. Did you guys see, I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but um, Ayanna Presley, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of from Boston or whatever, but Ayanna mm-hmm. Presley is like a, 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 a politician of Boston, Congress mm-hmm. um, woman, and so she's known for like, you know, her twists. So mm-hmm. she's like twist, twist, mm-hmm. twist, twist, 
And, you know, recently she put out a video where she's been suffering from alopecia. Oh, yes. So I heard about that. I heard that. Falling out and everything. So then like when they started during the impeachment process for Trump, Mm -hmm. like the night before, literally all of her hair had fallen out. Like she, after the twist and the alopecia, then she started wearing some weeds to cover it up in like protective styles. Mm -hmm. But then like right before the impeachment trials, it was all bald. Mm -hmm. So, but in this video, she unveils, like she's, coming out and sharing sure. people. This is what I'm telling you, even now I'm about to cry because if you have to see it. She just looks so beautiful, like straight up bald hair, you know, this beautiful like yellow outfit. And she's like, everyone was so supportive of me of my race. She's like, I feel like I have to speak about this Good. and let people know this is part of being a black woman. This mm-hmm. is the things that we're doing to our hair. This is stuff that we need to address and take care of as our health and as the health of our hair. Yeah. So while some people may be wearing weaves or or braids or whatever, and it, it's it's all fine and dandy, it is a protective style, but you have to know how to do it, do it right. You have to pay attention to right. your health. I think the body. nuance that you both were touching upon is that fine line of I'm doing it to switch up my look because it looks mm-hmm. cute versus I'm not being accepted for who I am am and I yeah. have to wear this mask mm-hmm. to appease the world. Yeah, and because as a little girl. It, right, as a little girl, we grew up growing up with these social mm-hmm. conditions. And, and what beauty was. Yeah. And that's what we've become. We, we, we try to metaphorize. You see how many long wigs we see? That they long hair. Oh I mean, I, well, every time I bar. see it, I, don't I, was know, like, I didn't even cut you off. No, but it's I didn't, I'm like, okay. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic of Barbie weaves. Yeah, oh. I mean, my daughter, her hair is past her butt, naturally. This woman we saw last night, the bartender, I was like, mm? Like a whole horse No, but that's everywhere. But then it goes back, I don't know what the stats are, that what black women spend most their money on. Yo. It's out there, yeah. but it's ridiculous how much money we spend on, but yet we can't say we have money for higher education. We don't have money for this and this and this and the third. Mm-hmm. Now I'm saying we all spend our money on hair. But black women, they have the highest spending power, but we also have a lot of single homes. So a lot of what we're spending our money on and if we're putting kids in college mm-hmm. and then we have our own businesses and we have to make sure those are sustainable. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what it is that black women spend their money most on. And really, I would love to even talk with women about investing, you know, making sure our credit, our everything is all straight. The market research was valuing the black hair care market in the U.S. alone at 2.5 billion. Mm-hmm. That sounds so, right. Yeah. Right. 2.5 So I know, billion. like for me, wow. the next business I will have, yeah. I want to have some hair. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Retirement, forget the culinary industry. I'm gonna have some price. If you want to keep buying hair, then fine. I'll supply the hair. I agree. Yeah. Now, you guys, black buying power. Like, you know, we're in Brooklyn now, there's a lot of gentrification going on, but I strive to look for black owned businesses. Same here. I go out of my way to research because I just believe the recycling of the capital is important, it's critical. And not only that, but we do and I think when we when we find reputable uh, companies that are African American minority, they, we get quality service. The ones yes. that really know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, my my hair, mm-hmm. my nails, 
have an African salon next to my house. You're in Maryland. That's why. Well, we're in Brooklyn too. So you, okay, yes. Yeah, we can find nail, them. Nail spa. Yeah. Clean, organic. They clean like no one else can. <laughs> <laughs> my feet, my nails, they're... This is three weeks, okay? I know. When I have yeah, my nails three, three weeks. This yeah. is when they do it. Yeah. And then, you know, I have... Yeah, you know, I have my eyebrows. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the these are these are important for us to consciously, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, think about who am I giving my money, my hard-earned money to. Right. I mean, I've gone to a lot of you know re, you know restaurants in our community where you walk in, you're ordering something, and people can't even greet you with a smile. Mm-hmm. How many times has that happened to you? They don't greet you with a smile. It's almost like they don't respect you. In fact, they don't. They don't respect me. They don't respect my capital. So why am I investing into your business where you don't respect me as a patron to your business where you can't even greet me with a smile and say, hello, how are you? How can I help you? That's the least I expect. And I and so so a lot of us are sort of conditioned to accept these in our, these types of level of service in our community that we end up getting the lowest quality of service in every community, if you look at the black, our minority communities, we have the the worst products, the worst, you know, the goods and the quality of the services. Mm-hmm. Everything's lacking because we're not demanding. We're not demanding more. It's mm-hmm. not to say that we don't have the capital. It's because we are in a uh, a, a society that that trains a lot of us to just close your mouth, and be take quiet, what is given to you, mm-hmm. and just be happy you're here and mm-hmm. that you're no. I expect yeah. my dollar me is the same as anybody else's. I expect to be greeted with a smile, the appreciation for my dollar. We therefore, if nice therefore if you can't, if you if I can't get that, mm-hmm. you're not gonna see me again. And that's how we should be across all communities across America. We really need to demand more out of our the businesses that are making money in our communities. And we need to also pursue and make sure that we're consciously looking at minority businesses that are doing, providing the services that we need and to support them because that only comes back to us because it recycles. Yeah. yeah. It goes back to our children. and We're buying every day. We're consumers. We are consumers. But you said it right. We have to be conscious about it. I think, yeah, if we do, we meet up like, hey, where do you want to (laughs) go? All right. You actually make that research. Yeah. I wish, I guess a lot of us wish it was easier like just to roll out your bed and there we go. Yeah. I know my hair just, I don't have to travel X amount of miles or do I have to look this up? But mm-hmm. um, I think more, there are more platforms now that are out there to make all this information easier for us to find. Like if you want to support black businesses, there are different, you know, websites and Instagram. Yeah. And yeah. so the word is definitely being easier to spread as part, I think, more posts than when we were coming, I guess, coming up. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, dentist. Times, yeah, black times are changing. You got a black dentist, too. Yeah. <laughs> black dentist, and every time, and every time I go, every time I go, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's like I hit the lottery. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so even here, like, you know, it said that a dollar would circulate in the Asian-American community over 30 days in the Jewish community for 20 days mm-hmm. and the white community for 17 days but in the black community guess guess how long that dollar circles within the, the black community it was a couple minutes, minutes. it's funny minutes. I actually tried to debunk not to debunk it but um understand that stat because it came out and I'm like and it came to it was saying that how do you actually track the money yeah 
you know, it's not like your dollar bill has a, all right, I'm a black person. This is my black dollar <laughs> going to the black person. Like, so how did they actually, you know, track it? So mm-hmm. it's um, very interesting. Just, but I like to see um, it's probably different. a pattern of spending, spending. and where they're spending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how they, you know. And so, and where that, where they're spending, where the other, where, where is, uh, mm-hmm. if you're purchasing grocery, where is the grocer purchasing their goods? So yeah. you're kind of following the money, money as it goes. Yeah. To see how long, it, you know, how far it goes yeah. within that. But it's community. not even you know days; it's, it's six hours. But you're right; right. It's, it's six like, hours in the box. A little, little better than minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but yes, yeah, like how do we see that? So we get the money coming in, and it's almost like you we know, purchasing. spend it at a back right. establishment. It almost immediately goes from the end to the supermarket. Exactly, right. because yeah. who the predominant businesses in our communities are not of color yeah. uh, like us. They're Asian, they're, they're white, they're Jewish. They're mm-hmm. they're not black owned necessarily. Um, yeah. And so it's, 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 it's more challenging. And then you also wrestle with the, the economic imbalances where, you know, for a mother who has to pay extra, who doesn't have a car and has to pay extra to go across the town to that black grocer rather than walk down the street it's going to be difficult for them to you see so there are a lot of barriers that kind of force our hand and our resources in one direction i I was having a discussion with Mm -hmm. some ladies you know an older woman who's very well to do you know Mm -hmm. grew up in the south you know another older woman who's like an executive at you know like a a fortune 500 company Mm -hmm. you know real little old me and another one of my (laughs) friends right and we're talking about how there's the dollar stores and you know other other of these like cheap stores Mm -hmm. that all, you can also get food in them, you mm-hmm. know, but they're in certain communities and they're not in other communities. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, why do some get whole food and why do others get, you know, like Dollar Tree? I can answer and then, that. <laughs> <laughs> and why do we get McDonald's, right? Exactly, yeah, we, we're right? Either McDonald's, Popeyes, we don't have Wendy's or Chick-fil-A, you know, but, well, maybe we have Wendy's, but, you know, the different things that are put into our community, the different options that we have to spend our money on. So for that single mom who's struggling and she may want the fresh fruits and vegetables, but she has to get the box macaroni and cheese and this and that because it's, the you know, getting the processed food because that's what's readily, readily available. available to her. Mm-hmm. It's within her price range. And like you say, she's accessible. Accessibility. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes the metro urban community so vibrant is accessibility. Mm-hmm. You're paying thousands and thousands of dollars for, you know, 500 square feet accessibility. But I would I would deviate going back to that mm-hmm. uh, topic of why. What what we I've realized, I'll say me, is that, you know, we've 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 struggled and we fought for a long time for desegregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were successful in desegregating the society. You know, kids can go to school across where we're all kind of this kind of melting mm-hmm. pot of people mm-hmm. working together. We're going to school together, playing together. But segregation mm-hmm. that has evolved over time, very strategically mm-hmm. evolved over time across the whole country, where it is no longer as desegregation or, or segregation rather, as we know it, mm-hmm. but it's segregation from an economic standpoint, from a zip code. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's evolved. So if 
you live in a certain zip code. And if you can afford to live in a certain zip code, you are going to have resources, the best schools, the best retail, the best opportunities, the best roads, the best trash services, the best water. It's really become a new form of segregation. And, and a lot of us are not even acknowledging what's happening around us. We're kind of in our zone, in our mode, but uh, brilliantly designed. It is zip code. Taxes, real estate taxes mm-hmm. determine... She's from the real estate. She's in the real estate taxes <laughs> determine how, how, you know, really this level of, of opportunity from our children, even the schools. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the schools that are located in the zip codes with the higher real estate taxes are better schools than the ones in the, in the, with the lower real estate taxes. It's really about where how deep your pocket can go right now. Right. And what's ha- unfortunate is you see the population demographics of those communities. They're very one-sided. They, the majority of one population resides in those zip codes. Right. And it's 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 done intentionally mm-hmm. where they can't write in the books anymore because it, they look, you know, they look so ignorant to the world because, you know, uh, civil rights and all of what happened made America look really stupid to the rest of the world. So they have, you know, we've moved past that to say, oh no, this is very uncivilized. This is like, (laughs) this doesn't look right. It really doesn't look right. So how can we still preserve our community and all of what we we do it from an economic standpoint? What I want to ask you guys about is you taking control of your your economic, you know, standing, your economic, where it's coming from, you know, what who do you answer to in order to make that dollar, you know, right. the, having that freedom to make choices and decisions that you're comfortable with without having to answer to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so that's talking about entrepreneurship, of course. Dun, 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 dun. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you made that life-changing decision, you know, to switch from corporate America where they pay you every two weeks, whether you look at them sideways or not, you generally get that paycheck every two weeks, the health benefits, you know. All of the stuff that comes with that security, air quote security, and you know, how did you make that jump? Or tell us the 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 how why the push. The push. I think I was for me definitely. Yeah, definitely get pushed and like for my background is I knew I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, I always wanted to do something, didn't know that something you know, was, but I was involved in different organizations, was, you know, a leader and, you know, the short, you know, version of it, I was at Bank of America in Boston at the time, you're like, yeah, I just got my MBA, I'm, you know, a VP, you know, you're like, yeah, here, I'm about to make some money, I'm about to make some change in this world. As we spoke before about, when you want to make change in this world, you need money. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, fine, I'm going to go corporate, make this money and put it in other you know, ventures and things. Um, so pretty much, I would say Barack Obama got elected. That was the same <laughs> year. Hey, Keisha, guess what? You're being laid off. I'm like, okay, cool. I wasn't happy anyway. It's a mutual. It's a mutual Like you're not upset. Oh, for my severance package, mm-hmm. and what we we're talking about before about giving ourselves the luxury 
of really sitting back, like, what do you, what do I want to do? You know, and going back to like, dang, do I really have to go back to traditional nine to five? And at that time, I, you know, my son was younger and definitely enjoying the work from home aspect. Like I get to be a little bit more involved in his life and just really taking those few months off to explore what these next steps could be and really taking the risk of I want to be an entrepreneur. How can I support myself? And what does this big, you know, vision looks like? And I just started small. I'm like, you know what? I like to cook. Nobody knew yeah. that. You know, it's one of those things. Instagram wasn't out. I wasn't the type of person that brought dishes, rice and beans or whatever to, <laughs> to people. So people are like, you can cook. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. It was just a part of who I was. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was anything special. Yeah. That's what it was. I didn't think it was special. Just kind of what you do. So I just started selling, you know, rum cakes. And you might have texted somebody like, yeah, I'm selling rum cakes. Let's see what happens. And it kind of was picked up from there and then just having conversations with different people, you know, more people talking about the health aspect of food. Like, oh, I can't have a cake because I'm diabetic or I'm going vegan. And think about 10 years ago, those were still new terms. It wasn't as mainstream as it is now. So that really, for me, made made me look at food and more the connection of health and wellness. So kind of fast forward in the story, I decided to go to culinary school. I mean, I cooked in my home kitchen, but the difference between being in the home kitchen versus being a chef or just having more professional training, I was kind of being put in that position. People asking me more questions, like, I have no idea. (laughs) So once again, decided to go back to school. Luckily had the support of friends and family. Went back to New York and I went to, yeah, the National Gourmet Institute here Mm -hmm. in, you know, Chelsea, um, now with another culinary school. So was a six-month full-time program and before I was done with doing the program I had ready had a client lined up in Florida so that's kind of a segue into kind of entrepreneurship and just like I said you have to be kind of pushed into it because I wouldn't have made the conscious decision to leave the security to do this I might have done something on the side but to really have that you know (laughs) Because I remember even in Boston when you and Al did the like yeah, collaborative, yeah, right. you know, everybody had different skills and talents and, you know, and then like having that, that party, you know, mm-hmm. of, or those events. Can you tell me a little bit about Right. And, and I was saying before, sometimes you got to really look back and think right now I'm at that point where things are, are changing. They're going to change. I'm like, oh, shoot. She says things are changing. like... <laughs> Yeah, looking at your skill sets and where you want to push them. But I think for me, my skill set is really bringing different people to the table with their own strengths and really how do you make a win-win, you know, situation, you know, for all. Definitely a great planner. Um, Going back to my program in project management, you know, background, having a business degree, proposals and things of that nature. I think for me being somewhat more, putting myself in the kitchen in that creative zone, that area kind of, I lost, I missed that part Mm -hmm. of you know the business and um so really now really tapping into it to make things having more bigger you know projects on on hand so yeah it's kind of that point where like okay i can't do everything you need to t- you know can't start a business by yourself and i think a lot to trust people and have their opinions and having a stake in your you know your success and reaching back to like these are people who helped me get to this certain point now how do i look back and help the next, you know, help the next person either through mentoring mm-hmm. or, you know, just having them be a part of what you're doing, but knowing that they have their own 
goals as themselves. And I think that's the difference between, you know, being a great leader is that you fostering others to pursue their own, you know, ambitions yeah. and not being threatened at the same time. Yeah. If, if you have a way to impact others and lift them up, I mean, that really is a great leader. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not, I mean, a lot of what we do depends on the success of others, of course. you know, right? right? So I'm not threatened, you know, by someone else doing well. And I'm definitely, and like you say, a connector, like connecting people so that they can help each other or benefit from each mm-hmm. other or, you know, profit from each other. Right. You know, that's, that's bringing people together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So cool. yeah, 2020. Here we go. <laughs> it just keeps going on. And on. Saying, you know, but I don't know. I haven't felt this kind of energy in a, in while. a while. You know, like oh, happy new year. Like yeah, yeah, happy yeah. new year. Yeah, we're gonna do good things. Yeah, yeah. for me, last year yeah. I knew it was kind of a dormant year. You planting this, planting seeds, mm-hmm. and then sometime I think this is kind of now you can see these little things growing. Like yeah, finally. Okay. <laughs> the economy has a lot to do with it. Yes, yes. Financially, I think people are in a much better place than they were three, four years mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. I think across, you know, sectors, yeah. because it's just a stronger, mar- stronger market right now. Um, yeah. So people feel better financially. When you feel better financially, you kind of have a little more optimistic mm-hmm. approach on, you know, what's to come. <laughs> I, I think that is obviously an important part of it. I think folks are really fired up about 2020 mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think we kind of have been in a while. Yeah. The market's really doing well. Labor rates are really low. Most people have jobs. Mm-hmm. They might not pay them necessarily high really wages, soon. but you know, you, you know, you've got a stronger economy, and so everybody kind of feels a little better about their situation, mm-hmm. which gives us a little bit more. We're not so kind of bogged down in a, a fear. You kind of look or open. You're more open to okay, what's to come. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a good thing. So tell us about how you came to make that decision. It took a while. It was a progress. But I would say it was one by design. I never expected to be an entrepreneur this early. I always expected at some point. That's the part I pinch myself. You know, like, wow, it really happened. (laughs) I'm still like young. I'm still young. I could live like this. But it, it started off, you know, early when I was in my 20s. You know, I established, I was very, I was in a community development you know, went to school for architecture, worked for community development organizations. And I was always um, passionate about social impact and um, the living conditions of people around me. And I always, from day one, used my skills and my experience in higher education to really help people. Uh, improve their lives. And so um, when I was working for the second largest nonprofit in Massachusetts, I was a project coordinator and um, and I was inspired by what they did. And I said, I want to start my own nonprofit. Um, the passion's there. I think I just got to work on a know-how and building that. And so from there, I said, you know, what would be the name? I even started putting the, the, uh, the bylaws and started kind of drafting things. <laughs> and I said, I wanted to call, I wanted something that's going to be a source for others. So I said, you, you source, okay? You source. Mm-hmm. You source mm-hmm. me. I'm your source. Mm-hmm. And you can take that in so many positive ways. And so I tab- you know, I got it. It was where it was and it was tabled for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so 20 years ago. <laughs> But within those 20 years, 
there were clear steps towards getting to a point of entrepreneurship, but I never expected it to be that fast until I was kind of forced to. Mm-hmm. That's usually what happens. And, um, you know, I just think God has a way of putting you in situations mm-hmm. where, you know, you're forced to leap to make that big decision that if not faced with that, you how you wouldn't really do it. You would stay in that comfort security zone, like you were saying, because that's just natural. So over the years, I went to, you know, I worked for, um, you know, the city, I worked for nonprofit, and I came and I kind of kind of learned so much about the, 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 the industry and affordable housing and community development. And I said, wait a minute, what else could I do to strengthen this platform of mine? I need to go to grad school. So I went ahead and enrolled in John Hopkins. I said, I want to really strengthen my my that platform. So when I finally get out there, I really have all the tools I need to to, to, to service mm-hmm. that demand, right? To right. be able so to build paper, right? to mm-hmm. yeah. paper yeah. and experience. My view yeah. has always been the job should be your pl- you you got that's that's where you you, you kind of you know get you to you play out your skills. You kind of use that is. opportunity <laughs> to strengthen your skills to prepare yourself to kind of use it while you're getting paid mm-hmm. right because this is not something you want to be in forever you want to you know my whole thought was when i used to see those people walking i drive and you see everybody kind of with their bags of boxes of lunch miserable. And they kind of walk miserable. everybody's walking it was my image in my mind people walking to the metro it was like a whole lot of them and in the afternoon you see them all walking back uh-huh. i'm like this can't be me the rat race I, I can't do this. I will be an unhappy person. I don't yeah. want to be unhappy. This can't be life. You know what I mean? So, you know how? I didn't know yet, but I kind of always knew that there had to be a different life for me. Mm. You know, and so after completing my graduate program, I managed um, the New Market Tax Credit Program for the city. And that program is what really prepared me for entrepreneurship because it was a program that uh, the city had. They didn't know how to really manage it. Um, they had like $50 million of dollars of tax credits. And they were like, surely here you manage it. So I had to learn how to put this program together. I had to work with all the big investors. I had to work with the community. I had to bring sources together. I had to find projects, invest in projects. Bring in. I had to. I had to bring. I had to service the loans that we gave them. I had to underwrite. We were successful in winning two more allocations. And so for me, I was like, well, if I can manage and oversee and kind of pull this together, Mm -hmm. I can do this for myself. This is about that time. And so my husband and I, at the time, said, let's let's start our company. Let's start it. So six years ago. We established U Source while I was working full time, mm-hmm. and he was doing work on his and own. being a mom and being a mom and everything else. <laughs> Three jobs. <laughs> so I said, okay, I think we got the business incorporated. It's already moved. I was doing invoices. I'm working at night, doing mm-hmm. keeping up with the company, and I'm working during the day. You all, you always want to be in a situation where you don't put up, you don't the, your whole livelihood isn't depending on this one job. Right. Mm-hmm. So whatever your talents may be, and the thing about talent is whatever comes natural. It's that thing people compliment you about all the time that you take for nothing. That's what I was saying. You know, when you go to work and they're paying you, they're paying you for a reason because you bring value to that job. In the same way you can bring value to that job, you can bring value to the open market on your own. So I always tell people, even if you're not even even if you're not fully entrepreneurial driven, if it's baking a cake, if it's selling earrings that you have a kind of fetish for, start 
selling them. Start creating something of your own because you'd be surprised how if tomorrow those doors are closed, you have something you else. Have, you can mm-hmm. shift your energy and your resources and your time and everything else to building that. And guess what? Yeah. You won't have to start from ground zero. Mm-hmm. You'll have legs already kind of, it will be already established to some yeah. degree. So wherever it's at, you could just say, I'm going to take it to the next level. For me, um, you know, I said, I'm going to do one more thing. First of all, I don't want to stay here anymore because I, I have to put too much energy out and I'm not getting what I need back in return. Mm-hmm. And I went ahead and I said, I'm putting forth energy 100% to Usource. Yes. And it was the best decision I've ever made. Mm-hmm. Usource is um, a construction company. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband is a general contractor. I'm the CEO and we kind of just make things happen. We work together because my background is in architectural engineering and construction mm-hmm. and finance. I kind of have the full gamut. I can, I can, you know, from a leadership standpoint, really um, work with him well because I understand what's behind the walls a lot. Yeah. And so you know, having established you source has been my freedom. It's been amazing these past three years since I've been, mm-hmm. you know, on my own. We, it's three yeah. years already. And so it's, it's, it's doing well mm-hmm. uh, so far. We're young, um, but it's allowed me to have the economic freedom that I could only have imagined. Um, you know, that freedom, it's a real freedom. It's, 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 and it's, and it's work because we work right. longer, right? but it doesn't yeah. feel like work because yeah, that's, I set the terms, I set the parameters Uh every day. No one sets it for me. If I need to go to the gym, which is what I'm doing now, Uh I'm going to the gym in the morning. So um, that's my story. I know it's been a long time. Thank you both so much for you know coming to help express yourself and come up with new ideas and just looking forward to even more discussions of improv. This was really fun. I yeah, enjoyed it. Exactly, right? This is great. This is really good. We gotta dig into tomorrow. Oh yeah, we'll pull out the pull out. That wraps up the first episode of Improper Mimi, where we talk about empowering women at home, work, and play. Join me every other Monday as I continue to bring women on to talk about their experiences, achievements, and advice for the women of color in your life. You can follow me on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Be sure to leave your comments and ideas, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon. Ciao!